today on Real Life Radio. If Jesus Christ is alive and well in your life personally, and you get enough of those people together, just a few of them, it just takes a few. They are contagious, they are hot, they are burning in love with Jesus Christ, and guess what happens? The church grows. This is Real Life. Welcome to Real Life Radio with Pastor Jack Hibbs. I'm David J. thanking you for joining us today as we listen, learn, and are challenged by God's Word, the Bible. Hey, are you struggling with the existence of God? Well, you're not alone. A lot of folks are. And we are very excited to make available to you our current featured resource. It's called He Who Thinks Has to Believe. It's by A.E. Wilder-Smith. Now, this book's been out of print for quite some time now, and access to this great book has been quite a journey, but Pastor Jack really believes it was well worth the challenge. Wilder-Smith has seven doctorates. He's been a consultant to NATO and the European Union. But you see, his passion and love for Jesus surpasses every other thing he's ever done as he takes science and uses it as a tool for the gospel. So whether you're maybe a young teenager or college student or an adult struggling over God's existence, or even maybe you've been enticed to leave your faith, you're going to want to get a hold of this book. You see, Dr. Wilder Smith will challenge you to look around at your observable universe, and through allegories and fantastic stories, you really can only come to one conclusion, God's existence and his unconditional love for you. He Who Thinks Has to Believe by A.E. Wilder Smith is yours for a gift of any amount. And it's available at our website, jackhibbs.com. That's jackhibbs.com. On today's edition of Real Life Radio, Pastor Jack now continues his series called The Gospel of Luke with a message titled, The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Now, The Gospel of Luke is a series that gives us both the humanity and the divinity of Jesus as only Luke, the physician, could do. Here now, as we continue in chapter 9, Jesus is going to give us the good, the bad, and the ugly about a Christian church. You see, true biblical ministry is a life of service and devotion to God and to the things of God. But as we'll see with the disciples of Jesus, change really comes over time. As we grow deeper in our knowledge of God, we'll grow closer to the very heart of God, and the church will reflect our true Christianity. So today on this part of the message, Pastor Jack tells us what a Christian church is supposed to look like. What makes a church good is when the people know they are loved and they extend their love through worship, prayer, and fellowship. Now, in his message called The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, here's pastor and Bible teacher Jack Hibbs. Father, we ask you, Lord, now to bless this word. Oh, Lord, we need your help. This is a tough word. This is a strong word. Give us a tummy. Give us a stomach for it, God, that we may receive from your lips, from your throne, from your book, your heart on this matter. Lord, what you shared with the disciples is so vitally important. Help us, Lord, in this 21st century to catch up to the Bible, to catch up to its incredible relevance to our moment in which we're in. So, Father, give us all ears to hear hands to do, feet to walk in the truth of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Grab your Bibles then and turn, if you would, to the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke, and it's been a long time in the Gospel of Luke. It's a huge chapter, very powerful. And I tell you, this morning, this is a message coming from the words of Jesus that is hard to give. 
It's hard to give, church, because listen, this is not a feel-good, warm, fuzzy thing. It is a strong word that Jesus gives because it applies to us so much today. When I say us, and you're going to hear me use uh, that uh, address, us or we, I am talking about this morning the church universal, the church in the earth. All those who call upon the Lord Jesus Christ in truth, those who are born again, says the Bible, even those who are religious, claim to know God, claim to even know Jesus, but frankly, in their conduct and life would have nothing to do with them, all the way to those gatherings, even what we would call a church, that is anything but a church. And, and so this morning, it's going to be a strong thing because it's going to challenge our thinking. And um, it, it, well, look, the title of the message is this, the good, the bad, and the ugly. How does that get you this morning? The good, the bad, and the ugly. I'm not talking about any one of us this morning exactly. We're talking about churches, churches, and people who make them churches. So this is a strong thing. This is a heart-searching thing. And that's exactly what Jesus was intending to do when he says what, he's, what he says to the disciples. It will shake them, and it will shake us today. Listen, church, before you think for a moment that just because something has a steeple on it or a cross on it, or a pulpit, or a sanctuary, or even the name church, don't think for a moment that in the eyes of God, it's a church. That's a strong thing. I probably just lost some of you right now with what I just said. You mean, if it, you mean isn't everything a church that says it's a church? No. God makes it very clear. Very clear indeed. Just because man declares something as a church doesn't mean it necessarily has the approval of God. And so this is a very, very serious thing. Acts chapter 9, verses 49 to 50. Now John answered and said, that is to Jesus, Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we forbade him because he does not follow with us. But Jesus said to him, Do not forbid him, for he that is not against us is for us. Interesting word because it came right on the challenge that Jesus gave to the disciples last week in verse 48. You can't separate really verse 48 from these next two verses. Do you remember the study last time? Jesus uh, told them that unless they wanted to enter the kingdom of heaven, they would have to become like a child again. They would have to become simple and trusting and faithful to the Lord. And Luke 9, 48, it says that he said to them, whoever receives this little child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For he who is least among you will be great. And that address, that statement Jesus gave to the disciples, because remember, they were bickering and arguing about greatness, about which of them would be the greatest. And we remembered that each of their arguments presented was in their own defense. It meant that Peter argued why he, Peter, should be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. John had his argument as to why John should be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And they argued about this. And Jesus said, no, you've got to become like a child to enter the kingdom of God. And we saw in detail that becoming like a child is equal to or parallel to that statement that Jesus gave to Nicodemus that you must be born again to enter the kingdom of heaven. If you are born from above or born again, what you and I will experience in our lives is a childlikeness in trust toward God. And Jesus is, this is how one enters the kingdom of heaven. But today, right now, we look to the attitude of ministry and what is called church, a little bit of introduction. The ministry, if you look it up in, in the uh, 
dictionary. It's, it's kind of sterile. You look up the word ministry and it means a profession in the services of religious duty. Someone who is a professional religionist in service. The ministry. And that's unfortunate because that's not how the Bible defines ministry. Do you know this? I don't know if you know this or not, but do you know that Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights that there is a, a whole host of people that you don't even know their names that service this church. They're volunteers. They're going around checking that the weeds are cleared out of the flower beds. They've got blowers, you know, blowing the leaves away. They're cleaning the windows. These people are not paid. These people are you. These people are servants. These people are ministers. And often on Sunday mornings, they're doing it in the dark, early before church begins, and they are serving the Lord. They're not professionals, but listen, church wouldn't be church without them because they're so vitally needed. The children's ministry. Listen, you're little ones right now. Though they may not sleep, or some do sleep, they all will be changed. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, their diaper will be taken off and a new one put on. <laughs> who does that? People who are paid? No, people who come to serve the Lord. Ministers. So it's not, as the dictionary says, ministers are those who are paid. The body of Christ is a ministering body, one to another. But before we get too far into this, by way of background, it says here that John said to Jesus, we forbade this one who was ministering in your name. We forbade him. We made him stop. That word means that they stopped him. They made him be quiet. They prevented him from serving. This sets up the direction in which we're going. The good and the bad and the ugly, how does that translate? Here are the ministers of Jesus being taught by Jesus. And at some point in time when Jesus was not with them, John confesses, Lord, we saw some guy ministering in your name, doing good stuff. He was really kind of just like us. But he wasn't with us. So do you know what we did, Jesus? <sighs> we forbade him. <laughs> you what? We forbade him. We made him quit. We made him be quiet. And we stopped him from serving. Jesus said, what would you do that for? He's serving with us. He's building the kingdom. And John says, well, we did this because he was not of us. He was not with us. And that is very important to where we're going. Church, listen. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14 says, For he himself is our peace, the Lord Jesus Christ, who has made both one. And the context of Ephesians, it is Jew and Gentile. Now, if you're not Jewish, you're a Gentile. I'm a Gentile. Is anyone outside that address? No. If you're a Jew, you're a Jew. If you're Gentile, you're everything else. The Bible says here in Ephesians that the Lord Jesus has brought us together, Jew and Gentile alike, and he has broken down the middle wall of separation. Church, listen. Should there never be any uh, division in the body of Christ? It should never be that way. Why is there division in the body of Christ? Because of carnality. Jesus is against that. And we're going to be looking at the tape, and I'm going to, I tell you right now, it is going to, uh, in a good way, offend each and every one of us, including myself. You're listening to Real Life with Pastor Jack Hibbs. You know, to hear more episodes and maybe catch up in the series, just go to jackhibbs.com. That's jackhibbs.com. And for now, let's get back to our teaching. Once again, here's Pastor Jack. Point number one is this, the good, the bad, and the ugly. It is this, what makes a church good? Can you write that down? This is very, very important. What makes a church good? What makes a church worth attending? 
Why would you go? Well, look at number one is this. What makes a church good is that when the body is alive, when the body is alive, when John said to Jesus that we stop this one who we saw, he's actually putting the brakes on a good work. Why would we do that when what Jesus is saying is that this man, though the disciples didn't know his name, this man was doing a good work. This man was alive. This man was serving. No doubt, of course, the disciples were serving Christ. But listen, this is a critical thing because a church is not a building. A church is not an address. This structure is simply a building. It is concrete, it is glass, it is steel. You and I make up what this church is. It will either be good, bad, or ugly. And one of the things is this. To determine if it is a good church, you walk into a church, any church, anywhere in the world, and listen, it has got to be alive. A good church is a living church. Ephesians chapter 1, verse, two, uh, verse 22 says this. And God the Father put all things under his feet, Jesus' feet, and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is the body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. That is a strong statement, Ephesians 1.22. Where Jesus is, there should be life. Didn't he raise people from the dead? Yes. When he's in a church, when he's welcome in a church, should not that church be alive? Shouldn't you be able to know it? Shouldn't you be able to feel it? Absolutely. A church will be alive. How do you know? Take its pulse. Hey, when you go to the doctor, you know, actually, if they check your, wait, if they check your pulse and you go to the doctor, you're worse off than I thought because I think they check your pulse when they think if you're alive or dead, don't they? I mean, blood pressure, yeah, and all that kind of stuff, but check his pulse. Why do people say that? See if it's alive. Check its pulse. When you check the pulse of a church, keep this in mind. You might want to jot this down. I think it's important. How do you know if a church is alive? It'll be in love with Jesus. It will be in love with the Lord. You know what? Some people, um, it, it drives people, other people crazy when they're not walking with Jesus too close. You come up to people who are in love with Jesus and all they can talk about is Jesus. You know, all he talks about is Jesus. Well, what's wrong with that? Well, it's a little too much. Well, you know what? Why don't you find out why that person is so hot in love with Jesus? Maybe Jesus caused them in a way to be one risen from the dead, huh? Maybe Jesus delivered them from alcoholism or violence or whatever. If Jesus Christ is alive and well in your life personally, and you get enough of those people together, just a few of them, it just takes a few. They are contagious, they are hot, they are burning in love with Jesus Christ, and guess what happens? The church grows. 1 John 4.19, it says there that we love him because he first loved us. Do you know how good that is? Hey, does anybody love you? I'm not sure. Well, this you can be sure of. God loves you. And here's the great thing. We can say, oh, Lord, I love you so much. You know why that's true? Because he loved you first. Man, he's good. He pulls us in. Often I think about my, my life before Jesus. And I think about the close calls. I think about one night going down some street in Orange County and a big uh, suburban blowing an intersection going right by our bumpers. We were going across the intersection. The guy flew by us. And we're so young and dumb. You know when you're young, you're usually dumb. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, whoa. That was so close. That was so close, man. See how close I was? 
translated now that I'm older, and a Christian, stressed Christian, do you know how close we were to dying and going straight to hell? Do you know how close I was from slipping into eternity without Christ? No, man, when you're young and dumb or when you're, you can be old and dumb without Jesus. Oh, man, that was, we had a great time. Oh, we almost crashed. Where would you have gone? In eternity, where? Last night, this church was called to the hospital because in a moment, 55-year-old woman, in a moment, drops dead. You don't know. Are you in love with Jesus? Can you check? Can I check my heart right now and say, you know what? I'm alive. I'm in love with Jesus. That's the criteria. You can be alive and not know Jesus, and the Bible says of you that you're not even living. You say, how can you say that? I'm sitting here, aren't I? The Bible does not say that that is living. And then there's fellowship. It's a fellowship that is with other people. If, if Jesus Christ is in your life and he's hot in your heart and you love him, it's going to also translate to fellowship. Galatians 3, 20, uh, verse 26. Galatians 3, 26 says, if you are all sons of God or for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus, for as many as were baptized into Christ, that is not in the water, but into his person, you have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female for you are all one in Christ. Listen, the fellowship, if Jesus Christ is alive in you, if a church is a church that uh, is a good church to be in. It is a church like this. It is a church that loves Jesus Christ preeminently and it fellowships with God's people. And that's very important because you want to ask this question, who's God's people? And this is the great challenge. Didn't John say, we saw one ministering in your name? That means that whoever this guy was, he was preaching and doing godly work in the name of Jesus Christ, and the word implies not a false Jesus, not a conjured up Jesus, the Jesus that you and I know from the Bible. This is a good guy. We don't know him. We don't know his name, but it's a good, he's a good guy. Jesus supports this man's ministry. But what church did he go to? Uh, was he a Lutheran? Because if he's not a Lutheran, I'm not going to talk to him. Or if he's not a Baptist, I'm not going to talk to him. Does he go to, is, or is he in our denomination? Oh, if he doesn't go to Calvary Chapel, I'm not going to talk to him. You see how carnal these things are? Do you see how this morning, church, ushers, lock the doors. <laughs> this morning, if we are a people, a Christian, who says, I don't, you know what, I don't fellowship with the Baptist or the Calvary Chapel or the Lutheran or the Methodist. I, I can't go feed the hungry because Lutherans and, and, you see what I'm saying? You know how wrong that is? Do we not have peripheral issues that we disagree on? Uh-huh. Who cares? Who cares? Do we not agree fully on the essentials of Christianity? Do you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose again from the dead? Do you believe that you're saved by faith in him alone? Do you believe in those essentials of Christianity that are listed in scripture? Yes, the divisions have come of denominationals because of peripheral issues, and that's unfortunate. It's man's desires who have led to the division of the body of Christ. But is Christ divided? No. I think the church will be shocked in heaven when you and I will meet up with people that we thought maybe, how did they ever get here? 
guess what? They're going to be saying of us, how did they get here? I think God's going to blow our minds. Pastor and Bible teacher, Jack Hibbs, here on Real Life Radio with his message called The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Thanks for being with us today. You know, this message is part of Pastor Jack's series called The Gospel of Luke. It's a series on the book of Luke and the unveiling of Jesus Christ to this world. And we'll continue on the next edition of Real Life Radio. Hey, Pastor Jack. Hey, Check baby. this out. Yep. Me, and, me and Pastor Jack in the studio I together. I love it. This is happening more and more. I like that. I, like I really it. do. Yep. Hey, uh, our book of the month. Can we talk about that real quick? It's by Dr. A.E. Wilder hyphenated Smith. Dr. Okay. A.E. Wilder Smith. It's yeah. titled, He Who Thinks Has to Believe. Yeah. I know nothing about this book. Help me with it. You're not the only one. Yeah. Here's the reason why, by the way. First of all, it was written many years ago. Dr. Uh, Wilder Smith had uh, seven doctorates. He oh. was a consultant to NATO, to the European Union. But number one thing above all, his passion and his love, listen, uh, for Jesus is epic. And because of his genius, because of his brilliance, he took science and used it as a, an evangelistic tool. No kidding. So he has written many books. Uh, some of them, most of you would never want to touch, not because it's not good. It's just because you don't have the brain capacity, yeah. nor do I. Yeah. For example, one of his books is uh, uh, titled A Cybronic Approach to the Evolutionary Theory, oh boy. Uh, where he walks through the evolutionary claims by scientists, and he applies science to their claims mm. and absolutely debunks their claims based on just secular, right? I say secular, just on science. Really? So this book is a book that we have actually, friends, listen up, we've never done this before. We tried to get it. And it was out of print. And we chased down permission uh, to get this book up. And we, I think our first run was just around 7,000 books we okay. have right now. And here's why you're going to want it. Here's why we went through the effort to make it a book of the month. Okay. Is because if you have a junior higher, high schooler, and certainly a college age kid mm. who is either struggling with the existence of God or is now being swayed to leave their faith or just doesn't believe at all, period, yeah. in the supernatural, the uh, creator God of the universe, you're going to want to read this book. Here's the reason why. Dr. Wilder Smith had the same troubles, trying to communicate to people, uh, but they weren't listening. Okay. And so he broke away from his norm and he wound up taking the C.S. Lewis approach. And that is this. He wrote an allegorical book called He Who Thinks Has to Believe, and it challenges you uh, to look around at your observable universe, mm -hmm. and he forces you to draw conclusions. Mm -hmm. He's going to make you think while you're enjoying an allegory. Mm -hmm. The, the story is about a plane that goes down in a jungle, and it begins there, and you will be fascinated with the very, very... C.S. Lewis, Chronicles of Narnia type mm. of J.R.R. Tolkien, Lord of the Rings approach. Okay. And it's going to, kids are going to love the story, but it's going to come to a conclusion to where, oh my gosh, yeah, there must be a God. Yeah. Because if I think, I have to believe. Yeah. If I choose to just simply amuse myself, then I can stay in unbelief. Because if I'm amused... I never muse. 
And to muse is to ponder. Right, right, right. So look, we're sitting here just moments away from numerous Southern California amusement parks. Sure. Why did we build them in the first place? Because yeah. we wanted to escape life and reality. Yeah. So instead of musing on our world, we created amusement parks <laughs> so we could go to a place and not think. Okay. What Wilder Smith does with this is he gets you truth without you expecting it, it to uh, arrive like it does. Okay. He Who Thinks Has to Believe by Dr. A.E. Wilder Smith. It's a great book, and it's our book of the month for the month of February. You can get it for a gift of any amount at jackhibbs.com. That's jackhibbs.com. This program is made possible by the generous contributions of you, our listeners. Visit us at jackhibbs.com. That's jackhibbs.com. Until next time, Pastor Jack Hibbs and all of us here at Real Life Radio wish for you solid and steady growth in Christ and in His Word. We'll see you next time here on Real Life Radio.